Amen. Trust you're having a good summer. Not too good. Then you're on the lake too much. But anyway, um, this is good enough. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second Samuel chapter number six. Let's let's read. We're going to read about fifteen verses. Let's just get most of this story down. Verse one. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, thirty thousand in all. That's a lot of men. He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherub that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart. With the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. Verse 5, David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. With songs and harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums, cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Yusa reached out his hand and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Yusa because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Verse 11, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom. They get tight for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. It pays to have the presence of God in your house. Verse 12, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household. Obed-Edom and everything he has is blessed because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying it, they're carrying it now, got rid of that new cart. Those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. They sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. And David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. And we'll pause there. There's more to the story. But we want to talk this morning. Our title, God's Work. God's way, God's work, God's way. We pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, speak to every individual that's here today. My prayer all week long, speak to every life that walked through the door. You know every individual, every specific. Speak a word, a needed word, a necessary word, an accurate word. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. Teach us from this lesson, this episode in the life of David. Help us to apply it to our lives, and to live it out in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God's work, God's way. We spent our time this morning studying King David, bringing the ark of God back to the city of God. One of the first things David wanted to accomplish in his kingdom was to restore the ark of the covenant to its rightful place in Jerusalem. His first attempt to do so fails, fails miserably. He makes some mistakes, and they're costly. David learned that if we are to do God's work, it must be done God's way. 
Now, before we dig into our story, let's just look at three lessons that we can all glean from this episode in David's life. Number one, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. You see, what the Ark of the Covenant was to the Jews, Jesus Christ is to us. He is God in our midst. He's the center of our lives. He's the one that gives us our identity and our distinction. And Jesus is to be preeminent in all that we do. If we're called Christians and He is our Lord and we belong to Him, and Jesus Christ must have the preeminent place in our lives and in our homes. But secondly, the performance of God's people. God cares about the means as well as the ends. It's not acceptable for us to use the world's methods the world's um, logic or morals to accomplish God's objectives or what we think are God's objectives. The results will always be frustration, failure, and judgment one day. And lastly, possession. Preeminence, performance, the possession of true and lasting joy, of victory and peace in God's economy never comes from shortcuts, or rationale, or neglect, but from our obedience to the principles and the pattern that God has plainly put within His Word. Disobedience like David, it brought fear, it brought frustration, it it messed things up. But God's work, done God's way, led to the true and lasting leaping and rejoicing and the true celebration that will not fade away. So let's begin. Number one, David's heart. Verses 1 through 5, note it down as David's heart. The desire to bring God's ark back. You know, God's commentary on David is inspiring, to say the least. He says, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He'll do everything I want him to do. That's Acts 13 and verse 22. This is David's heart. I want us to understand that the heart of God's servant and not merely what we say about it, but Acts 13 and verse 22. And after removing Saul, Saul was a king. Saul was a big king. Saul was something else in the natural. But he removed Saul and made David king. And he testified. God testified. This is wonderful. It's one thing, you know, we're big on platitudes. We testify about one another, but that's worth, you know, you give or take that. But when God testifies about a person, you can highlight it. He testifies concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a A man after my own heart, he'll do everything I want him to do. What an epitaph. I mean, not I found a great warrior, which he was. Not that I have found a faithful shepherd, which he was, and he he was. Not that I found a a brilliant king or a, a psalm writer and a worshiper, all those things. But I found a man after my own heart. A man who cares about the things I care about whose heart is in sync with mine. He loves what I love and he hates what I hate. He will strive, a man that will strive to honor my name and fulfill my desire and carry out my commands. God give us more men and women like this. Hearts and lives that are fully given over to honor and praise and please the Lord Jesus Christ to carry out His desire on the earth regardless regardless of what others think or what the culture 
around us applauds or doesn't applaud, what, regardless of what the spirit of this age opposes, more than human pleasure and, and um, praise and prophets, this man or woman, after God's own heart, they desire and they pursue a life that honors the Lord and does the will of the Lord and makes Jesus Christ preeminent in all they do and all they say. We see evidence and illustration of this heart of David in our text. One of the very first things David did after unifying the kingdom and taking the city of Jerusalem is to restore the ark of God to its proper place. A lot of things he could have done. Could have killed all his enemies and just get rid. That's normally what kings do. Could have built himself his brilliant castle. Most kings, once there, that's it. But David was a man after God's heart. You've got to write that down. Not every Christian is a person after God's own heart. Not everyone, not everyone. Write that down. I want you to get it before I tell you. Get it, get it, get it, get it. One of the first things David does. Let's get the presence of God back to where it belongs. Get it out of the shed. Get it out of the garage. And put the presence of God where he belongs in our lives. One of the first things he does, he unifies that kingdom. He takes the ark to the city of Jerusalem. He wants to restore that ark to its proper place. When David became king, now the ark at that time had really been out of circulation, out of Israel some 50 years. Forgotten by most. During Saul's reign, nobody really cared about it or asked about it. But David was committed to placing God at the center of the country. As Christians, Jesus Christ must be in the center of our lives, in the center of our families, the center of how we live and how we choose. What is the ark? Well, physically speaking, the ark was a box or a chest that um, about four foot long, two foot wide, two foot high. It was made of wood, but then it was plated with gold inside and out. What's inside of it is another sermon for another day, but outside of it is something for our, our thought this morning. It had four rings that were placed on the sides and poles slid through those rings so the priest could carry the ark, never touch the ark, never touch the ark. The key for us this morning, very simply, the ark was a symbol of the presence of God in the midst of his people. It was the center of their worship. It was a constant reminder of God's presence, God's covenant, God's character, God's power, and God's faithfulness. Now, David's predecessor, King Saul, he was not a spiritual man. He was called, but not a spiritual man. He was productive to a certain degree, but not a spiritual man. He, he, um, he, 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 would, he was blessed to a certain degree, but not a spiritual man. And ultimately, that cost him everything. Cost him his life, cost him his kingdom, cost him his dynasty. Under his leadership, the ark of God, the presence of God, the things of the Spirit were forgotten, neglected, and ignored. God was no longer at the center of the lives of his people. But David was a man after God's own heart. And the first thing he does... He restores the presence, the rule, the, the worship of God into its proper place. And friends, that's good advice for every one of us. Number one, David's heart. We see the desire of David to bring back the ark, to give Jesus his proper place, 
to put things in order that the blessing of God might flow and God might be glorified in all things. But secondly, we see David's mistake. And that's where verses 6 and 10 come in. This is the the difficulty or the failure in bringing back the ark. Now, David, as we said, was a man after God's own heart. He served God with all his heart. And it's important that we do so. It's important that we diligently seek God. That we put our hands to the plow and don't turn back. That we press hard and seek after and do our best to give Jesus our, our, our highest praise. It's important that as Christians we are passionate, sincere, enthusiastic. We used to use the word on fire for God. That's a good thing. The living God is worthy of wholehearted devotion, service, and praise. Jesus Christ is worthy of our best efforts. He's worthy of our full commitment. He's worthy of our consistent devotion for who He is and all that He's done. He's worthy. That's not even hard. He's worthy. And God applauds in His plea when His people conduct themselves with a sincere, earnest enthusiasm after God. Three quick verses for us to remember under this heading. Write them down if you're a new believer. Romans 12 and 11, the Apostle Paul writes, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Don't don't get cool off. Don't, don't, Don't become lukewarm, but never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. A spiritual fervor, literally the word in the Greek means to bring to boil. Have enough heat in your life that your love for God is boiling over. Amen? Um, now, don't be just casual or complacent in your walk with God, but there should be an, an earnestness and an enthusiasm and a sincerity and expression of your love and your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, number one, a man after God's heart. We're, we're not lacking in zeal, but we're going to serve God fervently. We're going to be diligent in seeking Him, in witnessing for Him, and in living for Him. But secondly, how about the words of Jesus, Mark 12 and verse 30? He, he's asked of the greatest commandment, and Jesus says, Hey, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, the effort, the earnest, the exertion to live and to serve. He didn't say the greatest commandment. You shall not do this and you shall not do that. That comes afterwards. The most important thing, the supreme thing, is to love God with your strength and with your heart and with your mind. It's not a Jesus is here. No, no, no. Jesus is everything. And it's our joy and our privilege to give Him our very best. One more, one more. We hear Paul and there's Jesus. Now David himself, Psalm 103 and verse 1, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Men and women after God's own heart. With all we've got, we serve God. We don't just go through the motions. We're not just mechanical in ritual, in religion, but from the heart. Oh, blessed be the name. A man after God's own heart. Now, this week I read an article, a little bit from that old preacher, J. Vernon McGee. You remember Dr. McGee? What I mean, he'd been dead for now almost 15 years. He's still on radio. What a preacher. I mean, he still, he just went through that Bible. He go verse by verse and, man, I'm J. Vernon McGee. But anyway, Dr. McGee was writing on this text and he used this illustration. There was um, 
family went to church and the preacher preaching from the gospel message, many are called, few are chosen. And as they're leaving church, the little girl, mom and dad, wanted to make sure she was paying attention to the sermon. So mom said, dear, what was the sermon that pastor preached this morning? She thought for a little while. Then she said, well, I think he preached on many were cold and a few were frozen. That's not how you want your spiritual life or your church to be described. Can you say amen? Having said that, David was man after God's own heart. And we want to be men and women after God's own heart. Amen. That serve God wholeheartedly, live for Jesus fully. Amen. Because he's done so much for us. That it is not, it is not, it is not a big requirement that God gives his people. So put me first and give me your highest praise. After all he's done for us. That not, not beyond the call at all. Having said that, David's heart and now David's mistake. The um, failure and frustration in his first attempt to bring up the ark. A.W. Pink writes, David's desire was holy. His motive was pure. But he went about things in the wrong way, and dire were the consequences. Another writer said it simpler. David wanted to do the right thing, but he did it in the wrong way. Let's not miss this short point. Help us, Lord, to learn from David's mistake. You know, it's a lot easier to learn from someone else's mistake than your own mistake. It don't hurt nearly as much. Don't cost as much, amen? So let's learn from David's mistake here. It'll keep you and I from much unnecessary frustration, waste, heartache, and defeat. You see, David's heart was sincere. See, I believe I'm speaking to people this morning that for the most part, you're here, you're a man or woman after God's heart. You're here because you want to worship God and bring your family to the house of God and and you're seeking Him. And and for the most part, I believe that the great majority here this morning, you're here because you love the Lord and you're giving Him His proper place. The backslider doesn't identify as much to this text as the faithful man or woman of God. So you pay attention this morning. This is for you. It sounds like it will be to the backslider. God's striking people dead. Well, that's another sermon for another day. But I'm preaching to the faithful ones. So we're looking at David. But hopefully we, we can relate to a man that had a heart after the God we love. David's heart was sincere, yet he had a failure and a frustration. He went about things with spiritual enthusiasm. His desire was to do right and to please the Lord. But good intentions, others' approval, wasn't enough. Remember, we started this thing off with 30,000 leaders all in agreement, all jumping up and down. You see, the leaders approved. The crowd can applaud. But does God approve? We, we learn from this story that no amount of unity, majority, approval of men, sincerity of heart, or religious enthusiasm can compensate for disobedience. Being sincere is not enough. Just saying, well, I really love God. That's not enough if we're disobedient to what he's clearly written and said. 
Remember that old boy, um, Dan Quayle? How many remember Dan Quayle? Anybody? The vice president. He went through it, didn't he? Potato, potato. Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle. Former vice president. I read an article this last week. One time, as vice president, he was asked to go out to Illinois and campaign for a congressman, a Republican congressman that was running for office. And um, so he's out there doing a bunch of speeches. And, you know, one of his aides was able to get a local elementary school to get out of class and go along the roadway where the motorcade was coming and have the little flags and cheer as the motorcade goes by. And so, you know, school was more than happy to do it. You know, that's the land of Lincoln. They like to support Vice President Quayle. And, um, you know, the kids, they love getting out of school. Anything reason to get out of school. I jump up and down for anybody to get out of school when I was five or six. And so, so they, they weren't happy to do it. And they lined the road. They lined their little flags. They lined, they're pumped up, ready to go. And, and, and that big, beautiful black limo, as the motorcade approached, the children waved frantically, jumping up and down, waving those flags, cheering with all their heart, cheering real loud. But the only problem was the first motorcade was a funeral. I mean, the wife said, I didn't know the old boy was so popular. Amen. She had no idea her husband was. But I thought about that. I laughed. I laughed. I thought about that story. You know, there are many people praising and cheering the wrong things in this world. There are many, many, many people putting their trust and their faith in the wrong things, even though they're sincere about it. And they mean it wholeheartedly. Learning from David, number one, the mistake of the cart. You see, God had clearly explained in his word how. The ark should be moved, and by whom it should be moved. Don't ever forget this. It matters what you believe. You listen to that world out there. They'll say, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. A lot of people are going to hell with that attitude. It matters what you believe, because what you believe will determine how you behave. The mistake of the cart. The Levites alone, especially consecrated, should bear the ark upon their shoulders, never and ever touching it, lest they die. God is serious concerning His Word. He does not give us as mere humans the option of ignoring or adjusting it to suit us as we please, not without consequences. God had given certain clear instructions dealing with the ark. Let me take a break here. God has given clear, unmistakable instructions concerning how to get to heaven. Salvation. He says it's only through Jesus. It's through faith in Christ. It's not one of many ways, even if you're sincere or really believe that to be the way. God has given instructions concerning the home and what marriage is and what marriage isn't. He's been clear about it. It makes no difference if it cramps someone's style or it's not what someone desires. God has very clearly said, this is what the house should be. This is how my house should be treated. And this is the morality of those that call on my name. And when God gives an instruction, He expects them to be followed. Can you say amen? We're talking God. He's not asking for our opinion. He's not asking for our vote. He's asking for our obedience and our surrender. Oh, glory be to His name. 
We got a lot of new carts out there. The new cart was how the Philistines handled the ark. The new cart is how the world says this is the way we ought to do it. They wanted the new cart and they rejected the old command that came from the mouth of God Himself. Friends, if God says it, just obey it, submit to it, and it will go well with you. But if you're going to jump on the new carts of this modern world, of this fallen age, you're going to be sorry in the end. It doesn't make a difference how many say that's the majority. Let's do it. It doesn't matter if the judges approve it. It doesn't matter if people cheer about it and say, oh, that's the new way to go. I want you to know there is a new cart that God rejects and there is the old past that He has declared in His Word. If you want to get to heaven, you got to take the old path. If you want blessing in your home, you got to take the old path. If you want to be set free from that thing that binds you and torments you in the night. It won't come from these new ideas and philosophies of men. But as you seek the Lord, the living God, and stand on His Word, you'll know His power. You'll know His victory. You'll know His deliverance. He'll set you free. He'll change your life. He'll work in you what no one else can do. Somebody bless the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Oh, a new card or the old command. I'll take the old path. I'll take the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, glory be to God. Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end. Write that down, down, new people. Young people, write that down. Write that down. Write that down. There is a way of the humanist. There is a way of the hedonist. Oh, there's a way of the liberal. There is a way that seems right. They're going to try to teach it. They do teach it in our schools. Diabolical, damnable. There is a way. Seems, what do you mean it seems right? Well, the whole crowd's into it. Put on every channel, they're into it. Amen? The brilliant schools are applauding it. There is a way. David has 30,000 leaders. I don't care what the leaders say. If it's not in line with the book, reject them. I don't care what. Well, brother so-and-so, he's been saved a long time. He can miss it. That book will never miss it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Oh, you haven't been in church long enough. You know, you know even sometimes our spiritual elders miss it. Don't look around. I'm just trying to get you to know God and love God and pursue God more than man, more than thinking men. Oh, we come like the Catholics sometimes. Got to go to the priest. You don't got no priest. You got Jesus. Go talk to Jesus. Learn the voice of God. Learn the word of God. And let God lead you. Come on, say amen. I've watched some grand poopas in the church control churches for 30 years because of some... Oh, no, no, no. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he may be near. Glory be to God. There is a way that seems right. It seems good. Everyone said it. Yay, so many even prophesied. Had enough of that nonsense. But in the end, there was death. There was defeat. There was disaster. There was frustration. And so many backslide. Why? Because you thought that was the way. They jumped up and down and said, Woohoo! That's the way. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. Oh, friends, don't be discouraged and overwhelmed when men miss it. Men are just men. I'm just a man. The person you're sitting by is just a man. We can act it, but only God is perfect. Only God knows the end from the beginning. You gotta make up your mind. I'm gonna seek the Lord first and foremost. And if he speaks, it doesn't matter if the 30,000 are jumping up and down. I must seek the will of my God. I must do his will. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
There's a way that seems right to a man, to a church, to a nation. But in the end, there is a way that says all roads lead. There is a way that says as long as you love them, you may be him, it, whatever. Y'all, no, 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 no. Somebody got to preach. Somebody got to preach. Someone got to preach. Somebody got to preach. Someone 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 got to preach. So afraid of saying anything. God, one of the worst things this present generation is a cowardly group. Cowardly group. We need to take the name. We don't want to be assembly of God. Somebody might be offended. Let them be offended. I'm Holy Ghost. Amen. We sing in tongues. We shout in tongues. We're not ashamed of full gospel. They fall down as God. Let them fall. Come on, say amen. Not, I'm not worried about that. I'm here to worship God. This is for the Lord. We jumping and shouting for Jesus. We're not doing this for the world. They were sending us to hell. You can have religion. We've been set free from that. We love the Lord. And he's given us a book. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture. All Scripture. It's the Scripture you run to. It's the Word of God you flee to. When the question comes over, what is right and what is wrong? Go to the book. Go to the book. When the, the newspaper says, this is the new fangled thing. This is the new cart. Get on the new cart. Everybody get with the new cart. Oh, you're going to say, not that new cart. Better agree with the old command or I'm not getting on nothing. I'm going to the book. I'm going to hear what Father says. And if Father says it's sin, then it is sin. If Father says it's holy, then I'm jumping on with all my might and strength. We we got this thing complicated. Not complicated. What does the Bible say? Do it. God is so good he gave us a book. We don't got to stir ourselves up and prophesy something. Oh, heaven's sakes. We go to the book. Study that book. You got a spirit within you to help you understand it and apply it. Go to that book. That book's not going to change. Man will change. That book's not going to change. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Ha ha roshataka. Oh, hallelujah. Don't mind me, I'm being blessed. All scripture, all scripture, all what? All scripture. The counsel of men has its place, but all scripture is above it all. The prophetic utterance has its place, but all scripture is above it all. See what we're getting at? I've seen people try to control churches through the prophetic. And if the leader don't have enough in them, that nonsense goes on. You've got to squish that stuff. I'm telling you, I've seen it. They, they try to act spiritual. They have nothing but manipulation and cutting your witchcraft. In the name of the Lord. Yeah, they thought. Oh, no, you've got to put that stuff down. Then if they're really of God, you'll see a humble spirit. And they'll fall in line and that gift can be a blessing. But if they're what you think, moving in the flesh, you don't usually chase them somewhere and you say well thank the lord for that amen hallelujah i'm away from the notes i don't know if i'm ever going to get back hallelujah all scripture granny's advice is important but it doesn't go over scripture amen the prophetic utterance important but it doesn't go over scripture the counsel of the pastor and the other godly elders that's good that's good it doesn't go over scripture A lot of new carts out there. A lot of new carts out there. Amen? A lot of new carts out there. Gotta watch out for those new carts. Stick with the old command. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. All right, all right, here we are. Let's get back here. 
Let's remember this. Let's remember this. David was a sincere believer. I'm talking to us. Now, David missed the mark here, most likely out of ignorance. Didn't do it on purpose. He just didn't do his homework. Remember the ark? David wasn't 50 yet. That ark had been out of, out, of, out, of, out of sight, out of mind before David was born. Most likely, David just let his enthusiasm get ahead of God's prescribed way, most likely. But now listen, I'm talking to people that are out. Talking to people that love God. Talking to people, I believe, I said earlier, for the most part. Men and women here this morning have a heart after God. That's why you're honoring God's house on the God's day. That's why you worship Him unashamed. That's why you, you believe the Bible. And you love your Bible. And you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this story, listen, this story speaks to you and me more than it does the old backslider who really don't care about the ark of God, really don't care. They're, they're, they're out there doing their own thing. But I'm talking to us now. This is important. This is the mistake David made the backslider not making. He's gone. He's not trying to put the ark in its right place. He doesn't care about proper protocol in the presence of God. But you and I that love the Lord, we go about trying to do what we feel is right, don't we? We go about trying to be led of God and trying to... All right. I want us to notice three sins that can trip up, talking to all of us, a sincere believer. Sins that fly under the radar sometimes go unnoticed and be deceptive. Now, now, David, I believe he missed the mark mostly out of ignorance. You know, he got a little excited and didn't do his homework. But sometimes you and I that love God, well, let me put it this way. Anyone here besides me ever missed it trying to do the will of God? Yeah, I didn't think I was alone. I knew enough of you around here. Amen. I don't mean there are times I missed it. And I knew I missed it. I, my temper got me. I knew that wasn't God. I just, I just couldn't hush it. And I didn't. I knew sometimes. But other times I sincerely believed I was stepping out in faith. And afterwards I found out I just I got a little, you know, I, I, I missed God. I, I was going to say it. Amen. Miss God. Miss God. That can happen to people that love God. See, people that don't really love God wholeheartedly, they're not trying to. So I'm talking to us. So let's learn from this. Three things that we need to always have our spiritual radar up to because they can trip us up. Number one, convenience. Convenience. When you love God, you want to please God and you like to see things done quick. You like to see things done. Convenience. David here, now whether he meant to or not, he took the convenient route. He changed the details to fit the expediency of the hour. You know, the devil tried to tempt Jesus like this, didn't he? He said, just go ahead and bow. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to have any cost, no shame. Just worship me and I'll give you everything. Boom, Jesus could have. And sometimes, for convenience sake, we like to take that. When it comes to God, his details matter. Our old nature gets frustrated at times. We want it yesterday. We like to bypass God's way when it's inconvenient or it comes with a breaking in our hearts. And sometimes I've even heard believers say, well, it's no big deal. God knows my heart. Oh, man, if we had a dollar for every time we heard that one. But listen, in God's economy, the ends doesn't justify the means when the means aren't in line with the book. 
So sometimes beware of doing things for convenience sake. And somewhere back here you have the voice of the Spirit kind of prodding. You kind of want to drown it out. Sometimes convenience. I've been doing God. I want the shortcut. I don't want to go the way God. And we can justify it. And usually we wind up getting disappointed in the end. Because there's a purpose for the path God ordains for us to take. Secondly, familiarity. We can tend to take liberties when we get over familiar with one another or certainly with God. Now, now David was blessed. David walked with God. David loved God. Maybe, you know, he can come to a point where he thinks, maybe I can presume upon my relationship. I can change the rules a bit, just a bit for me, because God won't mind after all. You know, he loves me and I love him. It's like that old saying, it's easier to what ask forgiveness then permission, boy, that can cost you when it comes to walking with God. That can cost you when it comes to walking with God. Everyone been there. I'm preaching to us now. Oh, no, no, no. Don't get mad at this preacher. I'm, I'm preaching to us. This is for God's people. This met David. We, we, David's a man for God's own heart. This is not for the backside. He don't care. I'm talking about trying to please God. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can go over gratefully. You know, God, God, God. Better watch out. Better watch out. And lastly, presumption. Presumption. In your Christian life, if you really want to do the will of God, and you want to walk close with God, beware of convenience. Beware of just doing things that are convenient, and you avoid the timing of God, the protocol of God. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to take the classes. I just want the award. I don't want I just want, okay? Write it down. Number two, familiarity. We think grace. Well, you know, God, I've been serving God forever. He Certainly, he don't mind if I, hang on, hang on, watch it, watch it, watch it. And thirdly, presumption, to presume, to venture out without actual authority to take for granted. Mm. There's been times you step out, you think it's faith, you're fighting, and all of a sudden God says, who told you to come here? Who told you to attempt this? Well, Lord, I thought, thought you, I thought, and Lord said, no, son. You meant well. Your heart was in the right place. Either it wasn't my time or you weren't the person. You know, one time David wanted to do a wonderful thing, a noble thing. David wanted to build the temple for God. Remember, he's man for God's own heart. And he wanted to build a temple. He's like, David's like, listen, I'm in this, this castle. He didn't have a castle, but, you know, I'm in my Middle East castle here. And the Lord, just in a tent, God, our God deserves something wonderful. And so even the prophet, the prophet says, go ahead. God's with you, David. You're God's man. And he begins, and God speaks to the prophet to tell David to stop. And God says, David, I am pleased with your desire. I am pleased with your desire. Your desire honors me. Your desire shows that you love me more than so many others. But David, that's not for you to do. It's a good thing. It's something blesses God, but it wasn't the will of God for David. That's for Solomon. That's for your son. That's not my plan for your life. Sometimes, and again, usually we're not talking the backslider here. We're talking people that love God. 
Only the people that love God are going wholeheartedly and sometimes run ahead of God. The other group's not running anywhere but backwards. I'm talking about those that love God. And sometimes we can presume, oh, God. And there have been times I've jumped out. Once I got out there and hell started fighting, everyone's fighting, you know, and God says, what are you doing here? So, Lord, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. Did I call you to do it? Well, Lord, I thought it was a good thing to do. It is a good thing to do, but did I call you to do it? Lord, son, I told you to wait on this. It's not the right time. If you'll wait on me and do it when I say it, things will fall in place. But if you get ahead of me, it's like spinning your tires in the snow. It just, it just, you know, the ice, it just, you're just, you're doing a lot of energy, but you're going nowhere and getting frustrated doing it. Amen? Presumption, presumption. If you study the Word of God, we see so many examples in the Scripture where presumption costs dynasties. It costs positions. It costs blessings. Because of venturing out without getting the authority that is God's will and God's timing, and we're the ones. In David's heart, he had a desire to put the ark in its proper place. Let us be men and women after God's own heart that give Him first place in our lives and serve Him faithfully and wholeheartedly. But David's mistake, even though he was sincere, even though he meant well, he was not in line with the Word of God. And you and I can be sincere. You and I can mean well. You and I can do it with the cheers. But if we're not in line with the Word and will of God, we're going to get frustrated. We're going to get defeated. And number three, and we'll combine the last two and summarize it, David's comeback and David's critic. One thing I love about God is that you can come back. If you're willing, if you're willing to change and get things in line with the book, he said, you can come back and I'll bless you again and I'll use you again. And this time you can rejoice and shout and I won't take it away. Having a heart for God. Very important. Talking to us. Having a heart for God doesn't mean that we're perfect. But it does mean or it should mean we're sensitive and we're sincere. And we're serious about pleasing and obeying the Lord. Heart after God doesn't mean we're perfect. We're not. Doesn't mean we won't fail at times. We will. But it does mean we really do want to please God. We really do want to do God's will. And when we miss it, we own up to it. When we miss it, it grieves us because we love him. The hearts get grieved if you hurt people you love. Of course they do. And a man or woman after God's own heart, if we miss it, something in us, we own up to it. We come to terms with it. This is what David did. David finds out where he missed it. And in your devotional time, you can look at First Chronicles 13th chapter, then the 15th chapter, and you see this story written at a different angle. And David finds out that the priest, you should have, um, basically they should have um, advised him better. They should have told him, David, that's the wrong way of moving the ark. God has given us clear instructions, but they didn't. And finally, David finds, he does his homework. That's good when you miss it. Do your homework, find out where you missed it, amen? I mean, I don't mind, you know, stubbing my nose once, but I don't want to do it two or three times. After once, I say, Lord, I'd like to avoid this, amen? Once is enough. Anybody with me? Come on, say amen. I know I'm talking to people that miss it, because we all miss it. But I don't like to miss it. And I'd like to cut down on the percentages of me missing it. Amen? 
I'm tired of hitting it to double plays. You know what I mean? I want to I put it in the gap somewhere. You know, come on. David sought God the second time. David mourned and David moaned. We read that he was afraid, grieved. When God deals, when things happen as a result of missing the mark, sometimes we get fearful of God. Some never return from that. But David mourned and moaned for a while, but then he got back on track. If a person is willing to change, repent, change, then failure doesn't have to be final or fatal. But the good news, you can get back if you're willing to do it God's way. You know, maybe you tried one time teaching that class. Maybe you tried, you tried, and things didn't work out. Well, so it's a step back. Lord, where did I miss it? Lord, was I out at this? Lord, but it was, Lord, I want to please you. And sometimes God will say, that's not for you. Or sometimes God will say, no, you did it, went about it the wrong way. You know, that was the wrong place. That was the wrong time. But don't just throw out the whole thing. Step back like David. Mourn for a little while. Weep if you want. But then finally say, Lord, where did I miss it? Because I want to get it right for your glory. Men and women, after God's own heart, are not perfect. They are not without flaws or weaknesses. But they are sensitive and really do care. Friends, that's the difference. If you study it, the difference between King Saul and King David. They were both called of God. They both had the anointing of God. In fact, King Saul in the natural had many more talents and abilities. He's a head and shoulders above the rest. But every time Saul missed it, he made excuses, never owned up to it, and never cried out to God to be a spiritual man. And in the end, it cost him. But David, and David did some terrible things. But he knew how to repent. David knew how to take ownership of his mistakes. David's such a man after God's own heart. You you all remember his biggest mistake, okay? And what does he cry out to God? Psalm 32, Psalm 51. Take not thine holy spirit from me. Don't take away, not, don't take my kingdom. No, don't take away my power. Oh, God, give me another chance. Most important thing in David, God, I know I sinned, I sinned horribly. Take not that presence from me. Most important thing beyond the crown is the presence of God in my life. That's a man or woman after God's own heart. So we, we miss it, but we don't want to stay missing it. We own it. And then we pursue God and say, Lord, help me to make it right. Help me to do it right this time. Show me the right pattern. Lastly, David's critic. David's critic. (laughs) The Bible says he got things right. And the priests are carrying the ark. And they're dancing. They're having a Pentecostal time. Amen. They're shouting. They're playing their instruments. Woo, glory, glory, hallelujah. And they come into the city. And David's wife, of all people, his wife. You know, you would think people in your own home would be the most supportive of you going after God, would be the most understanding of a person going after God. But what the Bible says, his wife saw him coming in, praising God, and she despised him in her heart. And then when he got there, she ridiculed him to his face. Wow. Even when a person gets on track, not everyone is going to be shouting with you. You know, you, you might lose some friends when you decide to put the ark of God where it belongs in your life. 
You might might make enemies when you decide, I'm going to put Jesus where he belongs in every area of my life. When you get serious about wholeheartedly serving God, you, you might get your share of critics. And, you know, friend, listen, we don't preach this one enough, but it costs something to serve the Lord. It does cost something. Jesus never sugarcoated the thing not once. Here's David shouting. He's praising God. He's twirling. He's returning the ark. God's way. God's way. I mean, heaven is pleased. God is pleased. But just because you're obedient and you're pleasing to God doesn't mean you won't be misunderstood and criticized by men. But when you are criticized by men for Jesus' sake, rejoice. Don't let it get you. You're in good company. They criticize the Lord. They criticize the apostles. They criticize the prophets. Sometimes it's an honor that people will criticize us. Sometimes we don't do enough. We don't shine enough for anyone to criticize. Another sermon for another day. I'll wait for the evangelists to preach that. I'm winding up, but I just is too good to let go. Hang in there. You got nowhere to go. David's wife, very quickly, David's wife. Let's talk about David's heart, David's mistake. David's comeback. You can come back. You can come back. Don't, don't, listen. Don't let your failure be final. Don't let your, some people have given up on this, that, and the other thing in ministry and life because you failed once. Join the club. Weep your tears. You know, whatever you do, hit the floor, whatever. Then get over it and say, Lord, help me to get it right. Amen? You can come back. You can come back. You can come back. Hallelujah. Come back. Then the critic. There's critics in this life. If you're going to serve God wholeheartedly, sometimes your family won't even understand it. They're going to, people on the job, they might start being anti. You. David's critic, his own wife. You'd think that ought to be a place of support. Ought to be a place where she's shouting with you. But David's wife was Saul's daughter. That ought to tell you something. Let me just say a few words here. David's wife was unspiritual. She could not appreciate or understand the significance of what was happening. A stranger to the zeal of God filled David's heart, incapable of appreciating the sacredness of the moment. Having no heart herself for God, she despised the expression of one who did. But David, he had no reason to be ashamed of his conduct. For what he had done, he was doing for the glory of God. And as we read on, David says to her after he's ridiculed, he says, I will celebrate the Lord. For he's the one that chose me. He's the one that kept me. He's the one that saved me. I will celebrate. But as Now, David did two things. Two things with the critics. Never let the critic stop you from pressing on in God. You keep praising him. You keep witnessing for him. You keep serving him. David said, I will celebrate. You can mock all you want. You'll stand before God with that every word you speak. But I'm going to praise God. And I, but secondly, he, didn't, he, he rejected the rejector. He rejected the rejection. 
He let it slide off him. And she was barren the rest of her life. Terrible thing to have a critic spirit. God will make you barren. God will bring a barrenness into your life if you've got a critical spirit. That's another sermon for another day. Oh, God. Oh, God. God's looking for men and women after his own heart. We've got enough people playing church and patty cakes, using the Lord, but not giving themselves wholeheartedly to God. But I say, oh, God, help us to be like David. Help us to put Jesus in his proper place in our lives. Help us not to take shortcuts, but to follow the clear pattern of that book and how we live and how we serve. And lastly, oh God, keep us from being bowed down by the critics of this world. If you go forward with God, there'll be those that won't appreciate it. There'll be some that won't be your friend anymore. You pray for them. You walk in love towards them. But you don't allow that to keep you from obeying and pursuing and going hard after God. Amen? All right, we're going to pray the last prayer and open the altars. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we love you. Oh, God, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we want to strive to be men and women after God's own heart, after your heart. Lord, we want to put Jesus in first place and We want to follow your word accurately, Lord. No shortcuts, no compromise, oh God. Oh Lord, no shortcuts, no compromise. But oh God, help us. Help us, Lord. Lord, help us to have a grace and a strength. Not to be moved by the cynics and the critics and the accusers. But to continue to walk in faithfulness and walk in purity. Oh Father, in Jesus' name. Help us to do your work your way. Help us, Lord, to walk with you in obedience and not not, not our own will, but your will. And, Father, help us to be men and women with a proper zeal for your house and your name and your honor and your commission. Help us not to be moved or discouraged by the critics or by those that would try to be negative towards our love for you and our walk with you. Heavenly Father, please fill us and use us. Thank you, Lord, for the story of David. It encourages our faith to imitate his faith. But it also encourages our hearts to know that you don't have to be perfect to be men and women after your heart. Just have to be sincere and sensitive, serious about pleasing the Lord and living wholeheartedly for Him. Father, I thank you for the many that are here this morning, men and women after God's own heart, men and women that have given Jesus Christ His place of preeminence, His place of lordship and rule in their lives. Men and women that are not ashamed to live according to the book. To have their morals and principles and priorities governed by the word of God. Pray for those that are maybe coming from families where everyone's not saved. And they've got to deal with that rejection and the making fun of and all those other things that often come with it. 
Father, give them a special grace just to walk in love even when it's not easy. Give them a special grace, O Lord, not to allow those negative words to cling to them, but like divine Teflon, let those things just roll off. Father, I pray for those that might be here this morning and maybe they're still stinging from a time in their life when they knew failure, but they didn't mean to disobey. They meant to do your will. They were sincere. They were serious. They were attempting to please you, and they did it as they thought was your will, but as things worked out, maybe they missed it with the timing. Maybe they missed it in the accuracy. Maybe they didn't follow the plan as you wanted them to, and they got ahead of things. But, Father, I pray for that group that you would just lift them up in a fresh way, that you would restore them back to that place of daring faith, back to that place of not being afraid to step out on your word. Help every one of us to learn from our mistakes, Father, that we can get back up and press on into your call, press on into your will. Oh, Father, I thank you that you're full of compassion and you're full of mercy. I thank you, Father, that you're a God that will forgive it when we confess, we make the change, you forgive and you restore. Now, Father, take our lives. Use them for your glory. Help us to imitate the example of this man with a heart after God. Now, Father, as we open these altars, let your healing power flow. As we open these altars, I pray for those that might be a little hurting, a little wounded by criticism, accusation, etc. But, Lord, as they come, you'll pour in your oil. As they come, you'll refresh them and restore them, give them strength for the place they're at. Pray if there's anyone here today and their heart's not where it needs to be. The ark of God is not where it needs to be in their lives. Father, before they leave, they'll come and be honest. They'll come with sincerity and say, Jesus, I need to put you in your proper place in my life. Forgive me. Have your way and help me to follow your plan from now on. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. If you need prayer, you need to pray as we sing this song. Come, receive, and God will do a wonder in your life.